Hello and welcome back to an off-season bonus episode. We had an interview with the one, the only, Doug Wilson. And of all the things we could have covered, we talked to him about weed. Now this is a shorter interview than what you normally might be accustomed to on our channel, but you're going to want to sit back and relax and enjoy this as he, uh, Doug explains his position and then we ask a few clarifying questions along the way. So without further ado, here is our interview with Doug Wilson. Today we're hosting a man who needs no introduction. He's a pastor in Moscow, Idaho at Christ Church, and he's the author of the recently released book, Devoured by Cannabis, A Blunt Take on High Society. A wordsmith and a lightning rod, Doug Wilson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Thanks. it. Yeah, it's good to have you on today. We're looking forward to having a conversation about that new book, Devoured by Cannabis, but I want to acknowledge something first. It's uh, some people might consider it risky for us to host you because you're a little bit of a controversial figure, um, depending on who you so talk to. Yeah, <laughs> depending on who you talk to, you're either a righteous genius, a deranged heretic, or the devil himself. I'd like just like you to set the record straight on which one you are. <laughs> well, but if I'm one of, if I'm a couple of those, you can't believe what I say, right? <laughs> 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 so you don't claim to be Satan incarnate or anything like that. That's I, I good deny, to know. I, I deny. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we do think about this book, Devoured by Cannabis, uh, first of all, why did you feel the need to write a book for Christians about pot? Well, because there's an ongoing push uh, in our society to legalize and or decriminalize uh, pot just a few miles away in Washington State from where I am. A recreational marijuana use is now fully legal. Pot shops are springing up everywhere. And th there are a number of Christians who haven't thought through the sin and crime issue uh, carefully, such that now that it's legal, I think a lot of Christians might just assume that it's the equivalent of having a couple of beers or it's the equivalent of having a martini after work. And I argue that it simply isn't. Yeah, early on in the book, you stated your thesis. You said, and this is a, a quote from the book, the proposition being argued here is that it is sinful to ingest marijuana to any extent that alters the chemistry of the body in order to cause a physiological response of any magnitude. Now, that viewpoint stem, stems from the fact that THC is much more harmful than alcohol, and you spend a considerable amount of time in the book right. talking about those distinctions. Could you describe to our audience the notable distinctives of THC when it comes to comparing it to alcohol or some other substance? Sure. The, the half-life of alcohol in the body is measured in hours. Um, the half-life of THC, once ingested into the body, is days and weeks. So, so for example, uh, I, don't, I don't want uh, my airline pilot to have just come off a bender at three that morning with alcohol, right? But I don't yeah. want him to to have been stoned out of his gourd three weekends ago on marijuana because that THC, there's such a thing as flashbacks there. It's, it's not simply something that dissipates the way alcohol does, mm. right? So uh, it, it doesn't it pass out of the system. It doesn't pass out of the system the same way, no. And... Uh, a lot of people in my age cohort remember basically marijuana from the Woodstock generation, but the THC concentrations in modern um, 
modern marijuana products is much, much higher, uh, up to six, up to five or six times more concentration of THC in modern products than were back in the day. Yeah, and just uh, just for you, I went ahead and set out my Crosby, Stills, and Nash album there, uh, speaking oh, there of the go. Woodstock era. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now, and, and you make an argument in the book, too, that THC, by way of marijuana, will certainly have a negative impact on the culture at large if it is made legal across the board. And this was an aspect of the prohibition argument when it came to alcohol, but in many ways that prophecy proved to be false. People have figured out how to show up to work sober, even out in the oil fields where people are away from their families for weeks on end and they're drinking heavily. They still manage to show up to work uh, sober. Do you believe that our society could come to a point where we discover the limits of THC? Okay, we know it stays in the system longer, et cetera, where we can find out the limits of it and what, how it should be used so that it wouldn't have harm on a grand scale and it could be sure. used recreationally. Could we ever get to that point? Yeah, I think that there's a um, uh, a logic problem involved in this. I I don't believe that if if someone ingested THC or uh, or used marijuana in microdose amounts, for example, you could have THC in the system, like one or two atoms or one or two molecules. You could have microdoses of THC in the system. And you would have no, I would have no problem with that. There's no moral problem with it. There's no legal, social problem with that at all. There's also no point, right? <laughs> um, so what I do in the book is I argue that in scripture, alcohol, alcohol has a number of legitimate uses that are, are tagged as legitimate uses by in scripture so there's the sacramental use jesus instituted the lord's supper with wine there is the uh, medical uh, use there is um take a little wine for your stomach paul tells timothy uh there, so there's a medicinal use there is uh quenching thirst jesus on the cross said i thirst and 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 wine was offered to him uh, there's the cel celebratory use um wine to gladden the heart of man. So there are a number of legitimate uses. The one prohibited use for alcohol is the is the main reason why people are pursuing marijuana at all. So the 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 point of smoking dope is to get that buzz, to get to the altered state of consciousness, which if I achieved by means of alcohol, I would be disobeying what Paul says in Ephesians, be not drunk with wine. Yeah, so it's the, the mind-altering nature of THC and, and marijuana that seems to be kind of the sticking point in the midst of all that. How do we know when when we consume something that is mind-altering, how do we know when that substance is, is crossing that line, crossing that point to sinfulness? For, for instance, um, right. you, you, deal, you dealt with alcohol and tobacco in the book, but there's other things like caffeine or even, even just sugar and fast food and other things. They, actually, they have a physiological effect on the mind. Uh, how do you know when it's crossing the line towards something that is actually sinful? Right. So um, the, the physiological effect has to do with the blunting effect. Right. So uh, it's I don't I don't object to someone taking aspirin because that has a physiological effect. But if if I let's say I've got a morning commute and I'm going to be in busy traffic and I have a cup of coffee before I go, 
that cup of coffee is going to alter my phys- physiology, but it's going to keep me more alert, not, not less alert, right? So if you if you did uh, scientific studies out in the parking lot with traffic cones and people's uh, drinking alcohol, people smoking cigarettes, people drinking coffee, people uh, taking marijuana, you're going to be able to tell after you've tested a number of people, you're going to be able to tell who's the coffee drinker and who's the beer drinker by how many traffic cones are knocked over. Right. Um, and so the, the issue is not, uh, you know, when you have a, if you have something to eat, if you have, if you have just an ordinary meal that has a physiological effect, uh, water has a physiological effect. Uh, coffee has a physiological effect. I don't object to the physiological effect. I object to a physiological effect that makes me less sober-minded, which is what the Bible requires me to be. So I must be sober-minded. And if I drank coffee and I was half as sober-minded as I was before, then I I would argue that I shouldn't be drinking coffee. So what do you say to the believer then who says, okay, well, this is a a stewardship issue then, right? Uh, It's stewardship of the body. And perhaps there's a distinction between foolishness and sinfulness, and one person might look at that and say, well, that's just foolishness. Um, yet you're making the case that this is objective sinfulness. Um, yes. How is it that, how can we pinpoint that? How can we nail that down from the scriptures? So the, the thing that, that we need to do as we study the scriptures is say, uh, well, let me give you an example. The, nothing is easier to prove from the Bible than that drunkenness is a sin. Okay, um, be not drunk with wine. In Proverbs, uh, wine is a an adder; it bites like a snake. Um, you've got all these warnings in Scripture about alcohol. The Bible does not give us any blood alcohol content measurement stick. Okay, right. It just, yeah. uh, so I don't. Um, we're going to have to use good, common grace, common sense, as as we uh, apply that standard. If someone's in a car wreck, and they measure his blood alcohol content, we're going to have to say, well, yeah, that's falling down drunk. Look at his body weight. Look at how much alcohol was in the system, etc. But if I'm out for an anniversary dinner with my wife, I don't have to get out a pad of paper and do the calculation before I have a glass of wine, right? In ordinary social discourse, I can just make the determination: one glass of wine is fine, hmm. right? And that's my uh, that's my rule for myself: is one drink. Okay, hmm. I have one drink, and that's that's it. And that just is enables me to enjoy what God has given and stay well in the safety zone. Right? Sure. But I don't I don't have a scriptural scientific description of what drunkenness is. That's left up to us to determine. Okay. So in my experience, in my pastoral experience, and in my lived experience, people who smoke dope regularly and are sky pilots, you know, they're, they're um, Zonker Harris out of Doonesbury. That's not the effect that we ought to be striving for. That's not what maturity in Christ looks like. That's, um, that's a per- person in the process of becoming a space cadet. Now, the, another thing that I I uh, talk about in the book is there are certain things, because marijuana legalization appears to be an idea uh, whose time has come, 
there are certain things that we're not allowed to discuss or debate. If you try to bring it up, you're going to get shouted down. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, one of the things I address in the book is the the clear link between marijuana use and psychosis, and not a one obviously not a one for one thing. It's not that it's not a reefer madness argument, but um, but it's the kind of argument that we all follow and appreciate when it comes to lung cancer and cigarettes. Okay. So if the surgeon general puts on, uh, puts on a pack of cigarettes, this might cause cancer. If a person smokes a pack of camel cigarettes a day, if you have, if you have 100 people smoking a pack of camel cigarettes a day, 15 of those 100 will get lung cancer. Okay. Now that's statistically relevant. That's statistically right. relevant, even though, and nobody demands that, no, 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 we can't say anything until 100% get lung cancer. Hmm. Nobody, nobody argues that way. Um, yeah. But, but there is a clear link between when some psychotic shooting incident happens and somebody goes around the bend, uh, if someone shoots up a school, we're allowed to ask what kind of uh, gun he used. We're allowed to ask what race he was, what race were the victims, but we're not allowed to ask if he was on any drugs uh, dispensed to him by the school nurse, and what drugs were and what drugs were they? Uh, we're not allowed to ask whether he was a dope smoker, and the and the reason we're not allowed to ask, we'd get shouted down if you did ask, and and you don't even have to assert. All you have to do is ask. Uh-huh. Right. And you're going to get shouted down. And the reason you're going to get shouted down is that we live in a culture that wants to cater to our lusts and we want to be high. Hmm. Hmm. But then to take it from there, um, I guess your argument for for why it should remain illegal is it's not just it's not just the fact that it's it's sinful, which is as what you've described through um yeah, as you've kind of compared it to the effects of it, um, but then the effect that it has on culture and society as a whole—that's right. that's kind of the main thrust of the argument too, as well, is it not? Where where it's right. not just like with with smoking cigarettes, okay, you get lung cancer, and yeah, that's going to affect you and that's going to affect your family, but it's not; it doesn't have that culture wide impact that smoking yeah. marijuana might have. Yeah, just to be clear on this, and I think it's important to note. I do believe that a large part of our war on drugs is demented and evil. I, I, I think that we, um, we, we, you can't make people righteous through, mm-hmm. through uh, the law. And not only can you not do it through the law, you can't do it through boneheaded applications of the law. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this as an advocate of the war on drugs at all. Um, I think that there are many things that we've done that are just simply wrongheaded there. Yeah. What I say yeah, and if the, we're just being pragmatic about it, obviously we haven't gotten the results that we've been shooting for through the war on drugs. I mean, yeah, it's very yeah, clearly it, a failure. Yeah, very clearly. I, I would say very clearly a failure. Um, and, and we've lost a number of freedoms, fourth amendment freedoms. Mm-hmm. If, if you're arrested for uh, under suspicion of ownership of drugs and they just seize your car <laughs> um, without a trial, they just take your car and that kind of thing is just appalling to me. Yeah. So um, what I argue, what I say at the inter- in the introduction is that we are living in a time when there's a full court press on to fully legalize recreational use of marijuana. What I'm arguing for is 
a blinking yellow. Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Can can we re, can we do some research in certain areas first? Now, I don't mind replacing our current drug laws with another set of laws. And in chapter 10 of the book, I argue for a proposed system where uh, we are not doing evil things to people, putting some teenage boy in the penitentiary for 10 years uh, because he was found with a joint. Uh, I, I think that that sort of thing is wrongheaded. But I think legalization, many naive people think if it's legal, it's righteous. If it's legal, it's good. If it's not a crime anymore, it must not be a sin anymore. And that's the, I want us to slow down and examine this carefully before we do that. Hmm. One of the things that uh, the book didn't really touch on was the subject of CBD oil, which I know it kind of falls yeah. outside of the, the main purpose and thrust of the book. But yeah. in your view, is the medicinal use of marijuana when, when the THC element is removed? Is, is, what's your view on that? Yeah, I don't, have, I, I don't have a big problem with that at all. Um, my wife and I last year were in Colorado for a wedding, and we were at the hotel and we were gonna about to buy some chocolate. At, you know, they had some chocolates on the counter there, and we were about to buy it. And, oh, good! And the, the clerk helpfully told us, uh, um, "You do know, of course." Uh, no, no, we didn't. Uh, so. I, I would. I wish the the wherever you were that the guy the uh, the man selling the stuff. I wish he would have been a, a Christian who listened to Doug Wilson. That would have been a great interaction for him to have yeah. with you. You're sure, about to get stoned, Mister Wilson. <laughs> sure, how dare you? Um, so for so for example, my wife and I are taking um, care of my dad. Uh, we're living in with him and 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 providing care for him. And he's 93 years old, and he's got uh, really painful hands and different people have given him uh, uh, hand ointment to rub on uh, his hands to relieve the pains with CBD uh, in them. I don't have any uh, qualms about that. I I believe that God made the world with all sorts of resources embedded in the world. And I don't rule marijuana out as, as one of the possible sources of, of those blessings. I just think we need to be, careful and sober-minded as we evaluate how much of a blessing it is. Yeah, the the premise of our podcast and this ministry that we have is based on a chart that we've developed that that shows the importance of doctrine. Obviously, not all doc, Christian doctrines are of first importance, and the way we've outlined it is we have that which is primary, so it's definitional to Christianity. The, those secondary matters that lead to doctrinal convictions, denominational disagreements, that sort of thing. And uh, thirdly, we have personal conscience issues. So when it comes to THC, I imagine you would place that as a first-order issue, meaning it violates the morality that we have from God, whereas perhaps these other uses of cannabis, um, when you take the mind-altering element out of it, that would be more of a conscience issue. Is that right? Uh, that, That is correct. So if if someone said, hey, uh, we've nominated this fellow to be an elder in your church, and he argues that moderate marijuana use is fine and he gets stoned every month or so, um, I'd say not on your life. Absolutely not. And if he was a member of the church, he would be um, disciplined by the church, the same as if it were drunkenness. But if 
if he's simply using CBD oil to because of joint pain. Um, no, of course not. In your book, you mentioned the the Greek word pharmakia, which is used in the New Testament to reference sorcery and witchcraft. And you say in the book that that word encompasses more than one sin, and one of them is the use of drugs. Do you see that as kind of elevating the seriousness of marijuana use in the midst of things? Yes, yes, I do. So obviously, pharmakia, uh, we get the word pharmacy from that word. Okay, so... um, occult activity back in the day, which in Galatians 5, for example, the works of the flesh are manifest. The word sorcery there is a translation of pharmakia. I think it's a good translation. But in the practice back in the day, sorcery, witchcraft was very much related to drugs. So you uh, think of drug-related occult activity. One of the things I'm fond of saying is in the New Testament, Sins are like grapes. They come in bunches. How how many things do we see in the New Testament that are clusters of sins, like like so many clusters of grapes? Uh, There are many, many places where there are lists of sins. And you want to look at what what companions are being kept here. Who's running with this sin? And even if pharmacia didn't have that drug element in it, which it does— Uh, The fact that it's in close companionship with uh, other sins of dissolute living uh, tells you what you need to know. Christians Christians are to be sober-minded. They're to be diligent. They're to be hardworking. They're to show up on time. um, They are to be that way. And we are living in a time where we're trying to undermine that in all sorts of ways. Now, you mentioned earlier about the, uh, the proposed system that, uh, that you lay forth in, in Chapter 10, and uh, I just want to ask a question about that as far as you know, the potential pitfalls that, that could come through that. Obviously, in any kind of court system, there's going to be opportunities for corruption, and there's not going to be a, a perfect system as long as there are sinful people acting in, in uh, those kinds of capacities. But do you, do you foresee any kind of potential pitfalls that the system that you lay forth could uh, invite or, or bring up and any ways that we could possibly work around those? I, yeah. So, uh, for example, what I propose is not the legalization of drugs, but the decriminalization of drugs, where it's not a criminal offense that you go to the penitentiary for. But society still officially disapproves of it and can make you do things. But what they don't make you do is go hang out for three years with hardened criminals, Mm -hmm. Um, sort of the graduate school of crime and vice. Uh, So we don't do that. What What I propose is that if someone is arrested, let's say someone's arrested for possession or they're um they're they were driving under the influence and there was a bag of pot on the seat and they they had thc in the system so they've got a drug charge in addition in addition to the uh the traffic charge or the speeding or the accident um with the drug charge i think there we ought to have special drug courts and a person should be fined uh for possession and they are given the alternative instead of paying the fine they can go to a rehab center. Huh. They can they can go into rehab, and if they uh, if they get out of rehab, if they graduate from rehab, then 
everything's clear. There's no record, no, no problem. If they quit rehab halfway through, they owe the fine. And then you take the fines that people pay and use it to finance other people going to rehab. Huh. Right, so you, it's a self-contained system. Now you asked, could this system be abused? Well, yeah, I, I propose um, that we not have Christian rehab centers be off limits, that you could have private rehab centers that were approved by the state to send people to. Um, and obviously, whenever you have business, whenever you have money changing hands, you can have cozy arrangements develop um, mm -hmm. where uh, all the people get uh, sent to the rehab center that's owned by the judge's niece. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. And, and you, so you want to make sure that you have um, safeguards and protections against that kind of collusion, because I think every Christian ought to be ought to assume that in our book, coercion is a big deal. Okay, yeah. you, you don't get to make people do things for trivial or light causes. And, uh, and so I, I want us to be very clear that when we make someone do something, if we found a trunk full of marijuana and we make somebody do something on that basis, that we're doing it in a way that benefits and blesses him. But you obviously see a way in God's common grace that even among a fallen population, this issue can be addressed, resolved, and improved uh, with yes. rehab centers and things of that nature, right. even among the lost. Uh, yes. I believe that Christian rehab centers have a much uh, higher success rate, but mm -hmm. I believe that um, uh, secular rehab centers uh, have a, a – there's a healthy measure of common grace, common sense that attends – um, many of these things. It's like AA. AA is not explicitly Christian, but there right. are things in that that are really helpful to a lot of people. Yeah, there's still a restraining nature to it all that God uses in His right. sovereign grace. Well, um, surely a good portion of our listeners uh, are unfamiliar with uh, the world of drugs. I mean, certainly there are some who came from that life, and you don't have to tell them about the dangers of it all, right. but Perhaps as we close here, could you issue just some parting thoughts to those who haven't been in that world, who are now entering into that world because it's become such a part of our culture, right. just encouragement for them as to how they can view these things and how they should respond, not only individually in their own thoughts, but also out in the community, perhaps with their vote and everything else. What, what encouragements sure. do you have? For them? The, the main thing I would try to encourage Christians to, to be thinking about in this is if you grew up in a world where drugs were very uh, were scarce or rare, um, you were sheltered, and that was a good thing. And your kids are going to be less sheltered than you were, and your grandkids even less than that. Um, so I would urge Christians to be thinking of the family as the place where self-control is learned or not. Mm. And so protecting your protecting your kids against drugs is not the result of a conversation you have with them when they're 16. It, uh, it begins when they're one and two years old and you're teaching them discipline, teaching them gospel-centered self-control, gospel-centered sanctification, hard work, and, and so forth. So um, I believe that Christians need to learn how to be sober-minded, self-controlled, dignified, hardworking, and the, and the principal lab where that occurs, where that mm -hmm. goes on, 
is in the family. And you want churches that are equipping parents to do that kind of thing. So I think we have to be laboring to build a culture within a culture. Um, because uh, if we run out to the public square to try to fix it there, we're washing the outside of the cup. Um, oh. I think we need to be concentrating on the inside of the cup. Huh. Amen. Good stuff. Well, the book is Devoured by Cannabis. This is a helpful conversation that we need to be having as marijuana particularly becomes more and more popular in the many forms in our culture. We need Christian voices to have these conversations. Doug Wilson, I never thought our first conversation would be about drug use, but here we are. Thank (laughs) you so much. (laughs) Thanks for uh, obliging us and coming on today. Happy to do it. Thanks for the invite. Well, we thank you for listening and or watching. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, What do you think about Wilson's proposed drug courts? Do you think he's onto something or do you think maybe he's high himself? Uh, You see what I did there? Reach out to us at show at dotheology.com or facebook.com slash dotheology or Twitter handle at dotheology. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you are only aware of us through our podcast or maybe only through YouTube, you may not be aware that we exist on these other platforms. So podcasters, hey, we're on YouTube. YouTube audience, we're primarily a podcast. So if you're getting our content through one of those means and the other one might be more beneficial for you, we encourage you to check those things out. Well, thanks again for listening and watching, and we will see you another time. Until then, do theology. Mm -hmm.